Chris, I tell you, uh, being in the newsroom over there where you're at for years, uh, there was this sponge on the uh, windowsill. And it said, uh, grow with rod. I remember that. Remember that sponge that was there forever? Well, I also remember on one December morning, uh, Jim Leach telling me to go call whoever I can get on the horn uh, at the state to respond to then-Governor Rob Blagojevich being arrested. Uh, And that was uh, interesting because nobody returned my calls at that time. Uh, Well, somebody did return my call today, and that is former Governor Rob Blagojevich, and he joins us right now with the WMAY Morning News Feed. I'm Greg Bishop, Chris Murphy on the newsroom over there, and Rob Blagojevich joining us on the phone. Former Governor Rob Blagojevich, thanks for taking time with us this morning. How are you? I'm uh, I'm doing great, Greg. Thanks for having me. I'm doing much better this morning than I did that fateful morning you just referred to. Yeah, it was a bad morning, and it uh, you know broke news. Everybody followed it all the way to you, even being uh, followed by helicopters as you were turning yourself into a, a Colorado prison. Uh, and, and we'll talk about why we're bringing you on the air today uh, in a moment. But we've got to get some of these questions out there. Uh, and right up front, you know, the question that a lot of people listening. Taxpayers felt betrayed by by what happened there. What what do you say to those who do feel betrayed by your actions? Well, they, I, I say to them, as I've said consistently ever since it all began, that they shouldn't be or feel betrayed about what what I did because I didn't do anything wrong. I would have betrayed them if I gave in to what they were trying to get me to say and trying to get me to do. I committed no crimes. I broke no laws. I crossed no lines. I never took a penny. No one even alleges that I took a penny. These were political conversations. The appellate court eventually re- reversed their big lie, the so-called sale of the Senate seat. That was never a crime. The appellate court could never uphold that because political horse trading, that's what they called it, log rolling, is fundamental to how you govern. It, unfortunately, that's the reality in, in American government. It's, uh, you know, you vote for my bridge, I'll vote for your school. That's how it works. Now, if you're doing stuff where you take cash in a brown paper bag, then, of course, a public official ought to go to prison. And there's other forms of that kind of stuff. But that was never the case uh, with me. Um, They lied, and they told the big lie when they arrested me like they did dramatically. And they did it. uh, And, uh, you know, Winston Churchill said, a lie can travel halfway around the world before the truth has a chance to put its pants on. I'm still trying to put my pants on. And most people don't even know that the appellate court reversed the centerpiece of the case. So they kept me in prison for three fundraising requests where representatives from me, not me, but a representative asked if if some people who had raised money for me before could do it again. Now, that's perfectly legal. In the absence of a quid pro quo, and there was an absence of a quid pro quo, it was never alleged. That's a First Amendment constitutional right. That's how politics works. And if the standard that was applied to me to convict me at a second trial, because they didn't convict me at a first trial, were applied to... All the senators and all the governors and all the mayors and even the president, they'd all have been in prison with me. So had I given in to those corrupt prosecutors, I would have betrayed the people of Illinois, but I didn't. And I fought back hard. And I was given a 14-year prison sentence, not because of the magnitude of the alleged fake crimes, but because they were trying to silence me and bury me, because they're the ones who committed the crimes. They hijacked the governor, duly elected by the people. And one last point, Greg. What they did to me at the AAA level, to a Democratic governor, some of the very same people using the same playbook tried to do it at the major league level to a Republican president. The fake Russian collusion, that Ukrainian phone call that was perfectly appropriate by the president to look into the possibility of corruption. That's a responsibility a president has. That's legal. They impeached him on that. And some of the same people who were involved against Trump who did it to me. And that's among the reasons why I truly believe President Trump 
did what he did uh, by commuting my sentence and uh, sending me home after eight years of what I must say, Greg, was a wretched journey. But I'm holding my head up high. I fought for my family. I fought for myself. I fought for my good name. I fought for the values my mother and father taught me. And I fought for the people of Illinois. Because if I gave into that, I would have violated my oath of office. Because I broke no laws. They knew it. I knew it. It was all a big bluff. But Governor, uh, Governor, you were were convicted. Uh, Any remorse that you you want to share with the audience? Absolutely no remorse. I was convicted at a second trial when they used fake jury instructions. That's not the law to convict me. And as I said, the appellate court reversed the so-called sale of the Senate seat. They didn't convict me at a first trial. They tried me a second time. They would have done this ad infinitum forever had we not gotten convicted in the second trial. They were so determined to get me. And they were floating and, you know, uh, waiving the possibility of a life sentence if I would just plead guilty to something, which I refuse to do. And it's been a long, hard journey. It's been hard for my family, extremely hard for my young daughters. Uh, not very good for me. But I'll say this. Eight years after all of that, and frankly, it's been, what, 12 years since the arrest, I, I feel very good that I never gave in, that I stood up to them. Now I'm in a position to fight back. And I truly believe, as Dr. Martin Luther King used to say, that truth crushed to earth will one day rise again because no lie can live forever. I truly believe the full truth of what they did will come out, and those corrupt prosecutors will be brought to account. We're talking with former Governor Rob Blagojevich here with the WMAY Morning News Feed. And now let's get into what you, uh, you know, coming on on air for, and that's to talk about some endorsements. Uh, we do have to take a break coming up here, but uh, you've got an endorsement for U.S. Senate, and it's not Dick Durbin. It's not the Green Party candidate. It's not the Libertarian Party candidate. Who are you endorsing for U.S. Senate? I'm enthusiastically endorsing Dr. Wilson. He's a third-party candidate. Uh, he's independent. Uh, he's... Uh, he has a strong, long record of uh, generosity, uh, bona fide, widely recognized philanthropist and humanitarian, uh, a successful businessman, a great American success story. When you come back after your break, I, I would like to be able to talk more about his life story, which is very inspirational. I think he'll be a great United States senator, and the contrast between him and Senator Durbin couldn't be any greater. Senator Durbin's a nice guy and a very effective politician. But he's been in Washington for too long, 37 years as a United States senator. Um, I think it's time for the people of Illinois and the people across America to shake things up and put non-politicians in high office, uh, particularly those who haven't been part of the establishment for as long as Durbin's been. Out of prison, commuted by President Donald Trump. Uh, what's your voters' rights status right now in Illinois? Well, yes, that's a good question. I wasn't sure, but I'm allowed to vote, and uh, I'm looking forward to voting uh, actually on Election Day. It'll be the first time I've done that, as you can imagine, well, in a long time. Um, so I can vote, and, uh, and, and of course, that's among the reasons why uh, I'm excited about Dr. Willie Wilson, because uh, nothing else I know that Dr. Wilson is going to get my vote, and uh, I can't wait to do it because he's a good man. And, it, and this race for the Senate seat is, is an important race because – I think the, the voters of Illinois have a clear choice. Will, uh, Dick Durbin has, as I said, been there for 37 years in, in Washington, part of the Washington establishment. I, I would like to encourage your listeners to have an open mind. What happens too often in government is when people are in one place for too long a time, it's, a hu- it's natural and it's human nature that suddenly, little by little, your thinking and your priorities are influenced by that place you've been in for so long, the place where you do work. I call these places Washington, Springfield, the state capitals, the nation's capital, the political-industrial complex. 
And so when you're there, as Durbin's been for 37 years, you're naturally going to become more and more attuned to what those special interests want, what the lobbyists want, what the political insiders want, and most of all, in the case of Durbin, what the Democratic National Committee wants. And it has less to do with what the people back home want. And if you look at Senator Durbin's record, there's two specific things he did that I really think disqualify him as being a Democratic United States senator, a member of my party. He sold out working people in Illinois, factory workers, when he supported NAFTA in 1994. And he sold out black lives in the black community when he worked, passed, and voted for uh, the uh, 1994 crime bill that condemned a whole generation of young black men to prison, first-time nonviolent offenders, first-time nonviolent offenders to long prison sentences, 20, 25, 30 years, the same amount of uh, drugs for the black person compared to the white guy, and the black guy's getting three times the, the, the prison sentence as the white guy. Dick Durbin and Joe Biden were both instrumental in that 1994 crime bill, as was President Clinton. And so when you are in a place for too long, you become part of that buddy system. That, that I think, is, explains why Durbin made those votes. Um, we get bad government, and you get government that hurts people. And when I was governor, one of the more frustrating things I dealt with was when I would visit, visit places like Decatur or Danville, or I'd go to the Quad Cities, or I'd go down to southern Illinois, and I uh, Galesburg, where the Maytag factory used to be. And those economic engines that used to employ working people, good-paying factory jobs with benefits that gave them a chance to not only get in the middle class, but to move up in the middle class and send their kids to college and all the things we as parents want, those jobs were shipped to China. Because Durbin listened to the big corporations and those lobbyists, and he sold out the worker in Illinois. Willie Wilson, by contrast, is a humanitarian. He's been very generous with how he helps people. He just uh, donated 27 million masks to senior citizens. That cost him a lot of money. He gave gift cards uh, to seniors, to uh, uh, homeless people, as well as uh, those in second-chance programs who are trying to just make it during this coronavirus the contrast between the outsider Willie Wilson, a self-made businessman, because that's what he is, against a career professional politician couldn't be any greater. And we in Illinois know what it's like to be run, have our state run by career professional politicians. You've got the, you've got the epitome of that in Mike Madigan. So uh, Willie Wilson is sort of like the anti-Mike Madigan and Dick Durbin, unfortunately, just been in Washington for way too long. And what he does is he pretty much does whatever the Democratic National Committee tells him to do. He's a, He's a walking, talking uh, robot for the Democratic National Committee. And when they want to support the big corporations on the backs of working people, who the Democratic Party is supposed to be on the side of, Durbin takes his marching orders and he votes accordingly. Unfortunately, he's cost tens of thousands of people good-paying jobs and has left communities across Illinois decimated to this, this day without that economic engine they used to have when the factory was in town. We're talking with Democrat who calls himself a Trumpocrat, uh, Rob Blagojevich, former Illinois governor, and a couple other issues here in just the uh, brief amount of time we've got left with you. Uh, you talked about Madigan, and people can listen to your podcast through WLS to uh, hear even more about your thoughts of Madigan, and they can go and hear those previous episodes. But I think one thing that people are going to be interested in hearing is, uh, number one, your position on the proposed uh, income tax change that's in front of voters. Where do you land on that? Oh, um, it's, it's a big lie. It's a Trojan horse for a tax increase on the middle class. I've seen the ads. They're lying. This is not a tax cut for people. This is a the beginning of the Madigan and the establishment in Springfield to raise taxes on everybody. Let me make a couple of quick points. First, 
there aren't enough billionaires in the state of Illinois that you can tax, that you're going to be able to have anywhere near the money you need to be able to fund state government. That's the first point I would make. So the idea that they're going to tax billionaires and then not actually cut taxes for everybody else is a big lie. Secondly, no billionaire who's going to be in Illinois sees his taxes get raised at the level that that Pritzker and Madigan want to raise it to, will stay in Illinois. Unlike the rest of us, if you're a billionaire, and look at our governor, he's got homes all over the place. He's got them in the Caribbean. He's got them in Wisconsin. He's got a horse farm in Florida. These billionaires will simply buy a big mansion somewhere else, like Florida, where there is no state income tax. So they're not even going to stay. And then the other point I would make is uh, that bill, the way it's designed, gives the General Assembly, led by Madigan, who just jacked up our utility rates with this Commonwealth Edison issue that could very well end up sending Madigan to the place I just came back from. But Madigan and Prisker will then be able to go and raise taxes on everybody else. They'll sell it this way. They'll say, now that we have a graduated tax, well, if you're making $400,000 a year, you'll pay this percentage. But if you're making $60,000 a year, you'll pay that percentage. And there will be a difference. However, in all cases, everybody's taxes will go up. This is a Trojan horse for a tax increase, and uh, I hope the people of Illinois aren't fooled about it. Um, Springfield, led by Madigan and Pritzker, they're not interested in cutting taxes. They want more of your tax money. One more thing I would say about this, Greg. I've got street cred on this because for six years as governor, Democrat governor, fighting Madigan, the big issue that I fought him on and those Democrats in the General Assembly, my fellow Democrats, was raising the state income tax. I refused to do it. I wouldn't do it. Um, and when they eventually were able to get me out of the way, Pat Quinn, that lame, weak Pat Quinn, did it and jacked up people's taxes by 60%. Rob Bogoyevich, finally here, and we're a little late for news, but um, uh, how would you, if you were still in office, handle the COVID-19 pandemic? First of all, I, I, I would do, have done as Pritzker did. At the very beginning, I would have closed things down, the restaurants and the bars. He did it on a Sunday. Then the two days later, he refused to shut down the, ele- the primary election. Uh, funny how he thought it was okay to protect the public from bars and restaurants on Sunday, but two days later, people should go in the long lines and vote in the Democratic primary for president. Here is an example of someone who, who, who put politics over public safety because a lot of people caught that virus just waiting in those lines that Biden can lock up the Democratic nomination. I know that was the motivation behind Pritzker doing that. I would have shut both of those things down like he did part of it. But I would have done it for just a few months as we learn more about this virus. And as things started opening up, uh, I would have worked as governor a lot more uh, uh, closely with small business, giving them a chance to get back and get the economy moving again. Another thing I would do is not do what Pritzker did. I wouldn't politicize this and uh, constantly point fingers at the president of the United States, whether you like him or not, whether you're a Democrat or Republican. This is a epidemic of uh, historic proportions. We've got a global pandemic. It's no time to be playing politics and pointing fingers. He should have been working with President Trump, not against him. And third, when I was governor, we had the possibility of a flu that was coming in 2005. We had prepared. We had ventilators ready and all kinds of other things ready to go. I would not have allowed that to lapse as my successors did, Quinn, Rauner, and JB, they all uh, weren't ready for this when it happened, and they were lucky, Pritzker was, that we had a president who was able to get those ventilators, provide the other resources to the states to help them combat a pandemic that did, in fact, come from China and uh, did, in fact, cause great hardship across the world and continues to do so. But I, I believe, as as uh, 
the indications show that we're learning more about it. We're getting better at it. And the good news is that there's a vaccine coming soon. Therapeutics exist. And the president himself has been tested positive and is out and about doing extremely well as a 74-year-old man. And I think it gives great hope to all of us that this is something that we're going to overcome and, and overcome hopefully sooner rather than later. Former Illinois Governor Rob Lagojevich, uh, thanks again for coming on and uh, answering all the questions. Uh, and uh, hopefully we can connect again soon to get your thoughts on uh, what's going on at the Capitol here in Springfield. <laughs> thanks, thanks for having me, Greg. Nice talking to you.